Blog Talk Radio. Remember the old church house when I was just a child. Services were spirit-filled and anything but mild. Singers would get to singing and they wouldn't keep it down. You could feel the presence in the air and moving across the ground. The preacher was on fire, the people they were too. We came to church to worship and let the spirit lead us through. Every devil that could hear our praise would crawl up in defeat. I know some people do it different, but this fact still remains. What's wrong is wrong and right is right and God has never changed. If you're happy that you got it, you ought to clap your hands. If you feel the Holy Ghost, it's time to take a stand. Like the fire and the flame. Tennessee. It's uh, This never was a problem when I was a little boy. 
I uh, grew up in Toledo, Ohio, and they would have snow plows come down the roads. I've been in whiteouts and all kinds of stuff. But down here, we don't have anybody salting the roads or anything like that, or not the side roads anyway. So, um, you know, it, it seems like a lot of places, all except for Walmart, <laughs> you know, pretty well get shut down uh, due to all that here for days. But I'm thrilled and excited about what God is doing in my life and hopefully what he's doing in your life. I want you to know that the times may change, the world may change, people's thoughts and opinions may change. We may change as people. In fact, we always do because we come to intersections in our lives and we have to make a choice, be it A, B, C, whatever, um, as to what we're going to do and which way we're going to go. And hopefully each and every one of those steps brings you closer to the Lord so I was having a conversation with Montel, and she asked me, she said, what are you going to speak on here today? And I said, I want to talk about facilitating worship. Now, let me tell you that when you've got people getting up and they're singing in church and everything, and people are clapping their hands and stomping their feet and all that, you're, you're getting the picture with me. Hopefully, y'all are pretty lively like that there in church. The Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people that doesn't necessarily mean jumping up and screaming and running around the church. That doesn't necessarily mean being being quiet and raising your hands. But I'll tell you what, praise isn't dead. Uh, absolutely. Um, it's, it's something that when you're praising the Lord, you can see it all over. You can feel it all over, and he does inhabit the praises of his people. So I'm an expository preacher. That means that I'm not going to walk y'all all through Scripture, nor am I meaning to take a very long time here tonight. We'll just go ahead and, and share what the Lord has for us. But um, in the Bible, there is a passage in the sixth chapter of Leviticus, the sixth chapter of Leviticus, in the 13th verse. I'm just going to go ahead and read that one. Now, a lot of Bibles are broken up where you've got the 8th and all that there, but that 13th verse, which is something that it's kind of repeating that you see over and over again through those segments there, it goes ahead and it says this very important principle as to when they had the temple and had to do the animal sacrifice and all that, and I want to talk to you all about how it's relevant today. The Bible says, this is what they were commanded, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar it shall never go out. Let me go ahead and repeat that. This is what was commanded of the priest there for the temple. Now, somebody listening to this is saying, what does that? Have, what does being a priest have to do with me? And that person, somebody's looking at you and giving you the stink eye right now because they say, we're all called to be kings and priests. Amen? So uh, absolutely, we are. Uh, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar and never go out. So – let, let me just give this to you in human terms, okay? I'm one of these sweet, super romantic guys. I'm the kind of guy that could make other guys look bad with their sweetie if they're not romantic. In fact, a lot, a lot of these preachers, they get around me, and they hear about this lovey-dovey talk that I talk. Sometimes it bleeds over into sermons like it's doing now. And I talk about how sweet my wife is, how she's everything that I've ever prayed for. That's not just talk, okay? That's not something that begins uh, when you first start hearing it and that ends 
after you stop. I'm not saying that or, or putting something on for your benefit like we know that people do. You all know that. You know these fake social media people and the mass slips and they'll talk about how in love they are and then they they stop posting on Facebook and then they're cussing each other to pieces. Yeah, my marriage isn't like that, okay? And in any close relationship that there is close, y'all, isn't that way. Why? Because you keep the fire burning. You keep that thing kindled in that relationship. Once you've got that girl that you were chasing after, you still do those things that you did to get her even though you've got her because you want her to know that her love matters to you and that she matters more than that. You don't take somebody for granted. Nobody likes to be taken for granted. I sure don't like to be taken for granted, and I know whoever you are that's listening anywhere around the world, you don't like for people to take you for granted. And you know who gets taken for granted more times than anybody, anytime, anyplace, anywhere in the course of history? God Almighty. That's who. You have people that will never even say the name of God, will never thank the name of God. Uh, here in the United States of America, you've got these foolish-minded people that say, we want God out of our schools. And then there's a shooting massacre, and some idiot will say, how did God let this happen? And the common sense answer is, you wanted him out. You told him to get out and to leave your schools. You know, you open the door for the devil to come on in, and he's sure going to come on in, and you want God to, to – to get up. If you want God to step back, God will just go ahead and step back and show you what will happen. You know what? The problem let – me, let me tell you something. The problem in anybody's walk with God, in, in, in anybody's relationship with God, it ain't God. Amen. He's not the one that's causing that issue. Now, there may be other things that are contributing to an issue other than you, but how many can you fix? What, what all can we do? What can we deal with? I know that when I'm out there and when I'm driving on the interstate and somebody listening to this that you feel just like me, you know that it is filled with people that absolutely don't know how to drive, and I get vocal about it. I'm, I am the nicest, sweetest, kindest talking. But my wife says I've never even seen anybody talk as nice and sweetest and kind as you do. The Bible says that we will be held accountable for every idle word, by every idle word that we that will be uh, condemned or that will be justified by those idle words that, that we speak. And even though that's the case, I say, you know what, it's cathartic when I do that. So I talk nice and sweet to everybody, and I weigh out every word. I mean, like butter wouldn't melt in my mouth, but you get me there. And, I, and, and I'm not talking ugly about people. I'm just saying learn how to drive. Get off the road. Drive it or park it. Only, only like ask it. Come on, man, move. Come on, come on, come on. You know, and, and and that talk's going on so much so that my wife started talking that talk, and I only think that it's funny. Um, but do you know what the reality about that is? I can't change the way that anybody else on the entire road is driving, except for me. It's that way with all of us, with the way that we drive, with the way that we walk, with the way that we talk. Amen. You know, there's um. There's this young lady that my wife knows, and she was talking about how she'd like to go ahead and find herself a good man. You know, she sees what me and Victoria have and maybe what some other people have. And um, she says, you know, I would like to find that, you know. And, and then she goes ahead and makes some comment, you know, that they're all married or they're gay or whatever. Um, it, you know, here here's the thing. When you're looking for somebody, a significant other, and, and honestly, really and truly – you need to bring that before the Lord and see if that's the one that the Lord wants you to be with. But but let me let me just go off into what I was saying there. When you're looking for somebody, I tell people that you need to be the kind of person that you want to marry because that's what will attract 
that kind of person to them. So in the Bible, when we look at God and when we look at – I just want to tell you a minute about God's relationship with us, and it's talking about the church. It's talking about Israel. It's talking about you. It's talking about me. It, it's saying that there was this woman and how, how tore up she was and messed up she was, and her life was – she was just street trash, this woman was, and that God took her and said, I want you to, want you to be my bride. Do you know what the process is there? That she doesn't stay that way. That she's not going to go into the king's house and stay that way, but that she's going to clean, get cleaned up and get straightened up and all that. And it's something that we can do with Christ, and I believe that sanctification is a process, okay? It's not just this overnight thing where you blink your eyes and you say, wow, I'm holy, you know, uh, or, or, or maybe somebody does, but there's an emphatic difference between being self-righteous and righteous. You know, there's an emphatic difference between being sanctified and sanctimonious. You know, those those are two polarizing, you know, opposite things of each other. Either you're holy or you're not. You know, if somebody says you're holier than thou, you, then you ain't holy. You know, and the Bible says that without holiness that no man shall see God. So we need to keep the fire of the altar burning. I want to talk to you all about facilitating worship. So you've got people when – the singers get up singing and and you know they're clapping their hands and stomping their feet and and all that and if you're in a lively vivacious church you know they've they've got drums and hopefully that drummer can play really well because if they don't it throws everything off and I say that with authority because I'm a drummer um, I'm actually a really light-handed drummer too I like a lot of like jazzy type things and and all that which is weird because most drummers you can hear them playing down the road. And that's why they put them in a cage, which is terrible because then it bounces back and hits you in the ears. And I could I could go off in a diatribe about that all night. But um, you know, I, I used to would go into churches and I would see a, a drum kit out there in the church, and I would think, boy, I think this must be a church that likes to praise. This must be a church that likes to worship. This must be a church that likes to get excited. Why is that, preacher? Because drums are loud. And if you have drums that are loud, then you don't mind loud. And if you don't mind loud, then you might not mind to get loud. It do, it doesn't put off the vibe that it's quiet, like just an organ, you know. But when you see drums, you know somebody's somebody's booming and red a tap tap and clang bing bang, you know all 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 this stuff going on uh, during the whole music and everything, and that's more vivacious. All right. And um, there, there is scripture, you know, where it's talking about praising him on the high temple. It also tells you to praise him in the place skillfully, um, you know, so you, you got to have it together. Uh, you're, you're going the speed that everybody else is going. You're not outrunning them. Uh, you're, you're not dragging the song. You're playing that well to the glory of God. You know, that comes, I guess, with time. Um, people ask me, they say, how are you so steady of a drummer? I'm not meaning to be funny and go off into all of this. But they'll ask me, they'll say, how are you so steady of a drummer? And I'll say, we're playing for people that couldn't keep time because I know they're going to blame it on me. That has happened in church, y'all. Um, there's uh, there's this man that used to get up and lead singing, and he had bad timing. I know what you're thinking. Why would you have somebody lead singing that has bad timing? But I digress. Anyway, I would go ahead and I would play the play the drums for him and everything out there in church. You know, when I'm doing that, I see that as worshiping God. I'm worshiping him with that talent that the Lord has given me to go ahead and to play that music when I'm writing a song or whatever. If I'm in if I'm in the pews and, I, you know, I'm clapping my hands and stomping my foot, you know, there's, there's certain kinds of people that want to talk about praise when they're up in a worship team and when they're up, they're the one, you know, 
kind of kind of leading it on like they're a cheerleader, but then when they sit down, they're not. That ain't praise. Uh, a- amen. You know what? Let me tell you what real praise is. Real praise is when you're praising God before you get into church. It's when you're being a facilitator of worship. You're having church when you're not even in church. You're ready to praise him when you hit the door because you've been praising him all day long. Now, I know that there's somebody listening to this going off on this ugly little diatribe, and they're saying, well, preacher, I don't believe that you have to go to church. Well, then if you read your Bible, you don't understand it. The Bible tells us to not forsake the day of assembling ourselves together even as that great day approaches. All right, we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. More so, we're supposed to pay tithes. And look, I've been in church all my life, and I know I know every bit of ugliness. I know every, every foul, nasty thing that you can throw out there that this person ain't what they need to be and this and this and this and this and this. You know what? Iron does sharpen iron, though. You need to find yourself a good church with people that you can come together with. If you got to do it online, you do it online. You do what you've got to do. Uh, but but you need to get in together with people that you can strengthen each other just like iron sharpens iron, a friend that you're going to build each other up in the Lord. That's what you need. You need people that will stand with you in prayer, that will fight with you in the trenches. Amen. So again, we're supposed to keep the fire of the altar burning. So there was a story in the Bible that we read in the Old Testament, and I love the story of Samuel and of Samuel's life and how his mother had, had prayed that that the Lord would, would hear her and open up her womb, and if he would, that she would dedicate this child to the Lord. And the Bible tells us that in those times that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. So here's Samuel's being born at a time where the church is dead. And here he is as like God's spokesman. It's it's almost like a Noah moment. It's almost like an Enoch moment. He's like the only guy, right? It's it's like Moses out where he's at. He's like the only guy, Samuel is, that's that's right there. And he gets raised up by the high priest and the high priest's name is Eli. And Eli has two sons that that uh, aren't doing what they're supposed to, Hophni and Phineas, and they're they're going out doing all kinds of things that they ain't supposed to be doing and whatnot. You know, everything's a wreck. And God speaks to Samuel, and when God speaks to Samuel, He says, "I'm I'm taking them down. Their ministry is going to be over. You know, the whole thing is falling apart. Everything's a train wreck. And you're the guy that I'm going to lift up. You're the guy that I'm going to appoint. Okay." So I want to go on through the story with you now, and I want you to trek with me because what I'm saying here is that we're supposed to keep the fire of the altar continuously burning. You know who neglected to do that? Eli and his boys. That's who neglected to do that. More so, Eli uh, neglected to do that. The high priest, you know, daddy wasn't taking care of that. His, his sons are out cheating and beating and doing all this kind of things, and you know preachers like that. Uh, that there will come a judgment, and the Bible says that God's judgment will begin at his house. So all these hypocrite preachers, and they're all over the place because we want to look as as a, I'm a, like sixth-generation church of God. You want to look and you want to say, well, look at the Catholic church. Yeah, but you see it in the Baptist church, but you see it in the assemblies of God, but you see it in the church of God because somebody's somebody's buddy or somebody's somebody's friend, uh, they say, you know what, I'm not going to going to put my foot down, and I'm not going to stop something that's legitimately bad that's going on. It usually has to do with 
sexual impropriety or money, um, but that they're not going to stop something that's doing bad. Yet you know what's going to happen? God's going to put a stop to it himself, and it's going to be worse than they could possibly even imagine when he does do it. So you need to get your house in order, and you need to do it right, and you need to start sitting some people down that need to sit down. Amen. That's what really needs to happen. Um you know, as far as me saying that somebody might be saying, you know, well, I just don't want to go to church. You know, there are certain churches that we shouldn't support. There are certain things that are going on, and I'm not talking about a style, but I'm talking about if you know that there's indecency, if you know that there's corruption, if you know that there's bad, don't endorse it. Don't support it. Don't stand by it. Get up and leave. I know it's harder to stay there and to fight. I know horror stories that that have went on with stuff. But we need to go ahead and do that. But we're not talking about all that today. We're talking about you, and we're talking about God, okay? Because let me tell you something about my life. And I got up and I talked about it a little bit with Montel, that I have went through the ringer, that I have went through some hard things, some bad things, some awful things as a preacher. I've known some of these young hypocrite preachers when I was this, this young preacher, and, and they were the best actors that I have ever seen in my entire life. I had a church at 20 years old, and my mom had made a promise to go to this ladies' auxiliary meeting, and I had three young men that went down to my little storefront church to bully me. I mean, we're talking like mean, uh, you, you know, like Mean Girls movie type, type stuff. I've never seen it, but I, you know, I, that's probably the gist, you know, type thing. These three young men came down there to bully me and to harass me and to pick on me. And I was trying to keep it together because I was, I was about to leave. Nobody else had showed up. It was me, and it was them. In my little storefront church at 21 years old that I'd been pastoring for months, working as hard as I could, trying to get to grow, uh, went up and down the road to every single door, and they came down there. And people would ask the question as the years would go by, is Ben still preaching? Is Ben still preaching? Let me tell you what, the reason that I'm preaching isn't because of people like them, but it's because the one that has never left me nor forsaken me, me had called me into this ministry to stand up and to press on and to walk for him. So there ain't nothing the devil or any agent of his, no matter if they call themselves reverend or not can do to cause me to back up on God. Let me tell you what, I failed God plenty of times, but God ain't never failed me, and he never will, praise God. We need to keep the fire of the altar continuously burning. It's hard to praise the Lord sometimes. It's hard to have that kind of relationship. Why is that? A lot of reasons. Because of distractions in our life, because of things that annoy us, because of things that irritate us, because of things that hurt us and that wound us deeply. We'll be talking about here tomorrow night about deliverance. We're going to get a little bit into deliverance ministry and talk about the spirit of rejection and about the spirit of heaviness, two things that I had went through my entire life. Um, there was a television show. I'm not going to go off into a big spiel about that. But there was a television show that was out a few years ago. I think I scrolled by it like on MTV or something, and they said, what is the most offensive word in the English language? And so many of those people gave the same exact answer as, I, uh, as I'd give. And, and what I'm about to say is not a racial slur or anything, but you could easily call it the N-word because that word is no. 
that you get told no when the answer should be yes. When, when somebody should hand you the keys, you're told no. When somebody should let you get ahead, you're told no. But then people that probably need to be told no get a free pass because they're so-and-so's kid or whatever. Yeah, it can irritate you. Yeah, it can be hard. But do you know what? I'm not out to please these people. There's only one individual that pleasing them matters for me or for you, and that's God Almighty. Friend, that's really what it's about, and that's what we need to do, and we need to keep the fires of the altar burning for the Lord. How do you do that? Well, there's a lot of ways that you do that. Again, the Bible says that that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, so praising the Lord. And I don't just think that praise is necessarily just singing a song, even though that, that's, that's a thing. I think that it's a lifestyle. I think that it's a walk that we walk in, that we need to be facilitators of worship and praising the Lord and lifting him up. I'm not talking about a mask now that somebody wears, because if it's just a mask, the mask is going to slip you that when you're trying to praise the Lord. I will throw this uh, this thing in about the um, the spirit of heaviness. I was in this church service, right? And, and again, I was battling a spirit of, of heaviness. As, as well as a spirit of rejection. So this is me just before I'm getting into all the deliverance ministry and, and had been just profusely attacked by the devil while pastoring a church, by the way. And um, somebody, you know, they're, they're identifying it. And, and they said, you know, you need to put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, you know. And, and that's, that's a song that we sing in church, and it's also in, in the Bible. Um, and that, that could not be more true. And he could not be more spot on, but at the time that this particular individual in a church that was exactly right, I want to stress, he was 100% right. Disagree if you want, you're wrong. He was exactly right, but do you know what I thought and what I said there at that time? I said, idiot, you know, in in my head, because you're not ready to hear that. You're not ready to receive that. You're just mad. You think somebody's coming up to you saying some stupid little line. And, and like that's going to fix everything, and that's not what I wanted to hear. The fact of the matter is is that the framework and the state that your mind's in, even though somebody's going ahead and they're saying exactly the right thing, they're doing exactly the right thing. You're, the soil, your heart, the ground there, it's not really ready to receive that seed just yet because you've been so wounded and so hurt. Maybe that ground needs to be watered a little bit. And, and softened up. Maybe you need a little bit of tender, loving care. We all need the soft place to land. And let me tell you, my soft place to, to land has been the church, and there's no other place that the devil has tried to attack me more. There's a time in my ministry where I stopped pastor and went down to this man's church, and um, I could say a lot of favorable things about him because there are favorable things to say about him, but he would overplay his hand. I don't know if you know what love bombing is, but it's a thing that's um, joined at the hip with a cult. It doesn't mean that somebody's in a cult because they're doing that. They may just be a flatter, which the Bible out and out condemns, like, I mean, as harshly as can be. You're basically just going to hell if you just go around flattering people, I mean, more or less uh, scripturally. But, uh, you know, you say things that you don't mean to manipulate them is what I'm going ahead and saying, not saying nice things. Um, This man said, you know, you're just like a son to me. Well, he would go around and he would say this to everybody. I mean, he would say this to everybody. And I would say to him, I would say, do you know what? I'd say, because I don't know if y'all know the relationship that I've had with my dad, but it has not been good. And there's, there's stories 
in that um he really really needs a lot of prayer you know how there's in your lives um but it's not been good and i mean for him to say to me of all people you're just like a son to me i mean that just registers as abuse uh, <laughs> right there right off the bat but this guy he goes ahead and he says man you're just like a son to me you know i mean all, all the time you're just like a son to me you're just like a son to me and i said to him i said man i said let me tell you something I said, don't put more out on the table than you're willing to play. I mean, really and truly, that's where I'm coming from. You know, I'm not necessarily showing everybody every one of my metaphorical cards. I'm totally using metaphor here. If, if, if some legalistic person is thinking, dear Lord, have mercy, he's talking about playing playing poker or, or whatever. You know, uh, it's, it's a metaphor, people. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily showing all of my cards, but what I do put out on the table, what I say that I'll do and what I say that I am and what I say here, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, this was the same man that I told. I said that there's three ways to deal with people. Somebody might want to write this down, but it's going to turn into turn into an issue or an ultimatum if you bring this up to somebody that, that wants to be, you know, wrong. Um, I said there's three ways of dealing with people. I said you tell them yes, and you can have stipulations. You tell them no, and, and highly importantly, give them a reason why the answer is no. Or you can say maybe, and then you give them an ETA when you're going to give them a definitive answer. You've got so many hypocrite preachers, so many I don't, I don't even know what all words to, to use. You know, people that say I'll pray about it. You know, and it's a put off, and it just sounds bad for anybody that legitimately is going to pray about it. Um, you know, let me check my calendar, and it just sounds bad for anybody that really is going to check their calendar because that's that's things that people really do. You know, um, but people use that and they abuse that. Some do, and then you know, you you just kind of think, I wonder, you know, are they just like so and so because they're saying the same thing that that so and so says? You know, God is someone whose timing is always right, and His timing isn't our timing. His ways are not our ways, and. The answers that God gives us aren't necessarily the answers that we would want to get, but he's right. I pray that the Lord leads me every day in every footstep that I take, and I believe, and I pray that he'll do the same for you, that he would guide your paths right now, that he would be like a lamp unto your feet where the way would be made straight before you and where things would be made clear before you. And all you have to do is chase after him, and you need to keep the fire of the altar continuously burning. Can I tell you what people did to keep the fire of the altar continuously burning? They got there, and when it was the morning time, they got there, and they tended it in the morning time. You hear again that they got there, and that they tended it in the evening time. You all know exactly what you would do to keep a fire burning. Ever so often, you would check it, and you would say, has the fire burnt? Back to the story, finally. So you had Eli, and he was this man, and he had these two sons, and there was this occasion when the Ark of the Covenant, years down the road from when Samuel was called, when the Ark of the Covenant was stolen in battle, where his two sons were killed in the battle, where he was told, and he had grown old, and his eyes had grown dim, and he had grown fat. That's what the Bible says. So, so old, blind, and fat. And he fell backwards in his chair and snapped his neck, and somebody had a baby, and they named it Ichabod, which means the Lord has departed 
because all of this had happened, and specifically, moreover, because of the Ark of the Covenant being taken, and that was emblematic that the Lord had departed. But can I tell you the truth about that story? God had departed a long time before that because the Bible tells us in Scripture that he had started to become negligent with keeping the fire of the altar burning. You all get that, right? That's almost like in Citizen Kane, one of my favorite movies, by the way, where Citizen Kane, this this person, this politician, this man that that tries to become so much, and his marriage is falling apart in the midst of it. And they used to talk a little bit at, at the at the breakfast table, but then he would he would lip off to her, and so they would talk a little bit less, and he would lip off to her, and he would talk a little, and soon they're not even talking to each other anymore, and it's just deteriorated, and it's just it's just rotted. You take things for granted, you take God for granted, and then you expect the same results that Moses is going to have, or the same results that that. Samuel's going to have are the same results as one of these people that was a God chaser that chased after him that fasted and that prayed and I mean just you know blood sweat and tears for God um, and you think I'm going to get the same kind of results do you have the same kind of fire burning for God that those people had burning for God because that has a lot to do with the results doesn't it you know, I was in church. I was in a church service, and there was a lady, and she was talking about people, and you know, I'll help people out and all that. And she was kind of him hawing and being wishy-washy with her words, and I understand why, because you don't want somebody to take advantage of you, right? But here, here's the here's the difference, okay? And I don't know who you are that's listening. I don't know where you come from. I don't know what you look like. I don't know what nationality you are. But if I thought you would die for me. And somebody tried to come at you, I wouldn't just look at you like you were some kind of a user, but that would make a complete difference to me. The Bible tells us that even sinners, that it means something to them, that they'll do good for somebody that would do something good for them. We minister to other people by the way that we treat them, and we minister to God about how we feel about him by the way that we treat and acknowledge and reverence the holiness of his name. When Moses was talking to God and God was saying, I can just go ahead and I can wipe these people out, Moses. I can just snuff them out and I can bring up a new generation and I, and I can do it from you, Moses. You know, Moses would have been a lot better off, wouldn't he? He would have went out there into the promised land, and he would have got him a piece of land and started having babies, and those babies would have started growing up. And it, it would have taken a, taken a bit longer down the road than it otherwise had taken, even though, let's be real, that was a while. Uh, may, maybe not. Maybe he would have lived to see it. But um, Moses said, no, Lord, because what will the people say? I care about your name and what people say about your name and what people say about you and what people think about you, Lord, and that mattered to him. That was a huge thing to him. Do you all understand that? That was huge. Moses was a man that God called his friend. Because Moses didn't treat God like other people treat God. God wasn't just somebody that Moses would visit when he would go to church on Sunday. 
God was an integral part of Moses' life every day of the week. You know that there are some people that will say, you know, I believe that we should worship the Lord on Friday. And I could easily say, so do I. And there are people that say, I believe that we should worship the Lord on Saturday. And I can easily say, so do I. And there are people that say, I believe that we should worship the Lord on Sunday. And I can say, so do I. In fact, I can't think of a day when we shouldn't lift up and worship our Lord, amen, and reverence him. We need to keep the fires of the metaphorical altar there burning. We need to keep on pressing on and bringing glory to the name of the Lord because that's what it's all about. The Bible talks about demonic attacks and all these things that we can go through. And hang on, I'm, I'm going to gonna drink a, a, just a glass of water. But if you want to turn there and if you want to look through what the verses say, in fact, I think that I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to turn there. It is Psalm 91 is what I'm talking about. Psalm 91, everybody. And, and as as you would expect from me, I'm in the King James Bible because uh, I'm, you know, I'm old school like that. I, I know, I know, you know, I, I can talk about that. You would actually be reading like the New American Standard, supposedly, if you were trying to get the one that was closest, according to a lot of scholars, to the uh, direct interpretation. I mean, I do transliterated stuff, and I have a Septuagint and all that, but I'm a King James guy. I was reading Shakespeare third grade. Uh, I, I love it, and, and quite honestly – it it ain't hard. I know people want to act like it's hard. I I don't even get that, you know. I read the Geneva Bible and you'll find out what hard old English is. It's like some kind of primitive dialectic speech. Hang on a second. Let me let me slug down some of this water. Psalm ninety one. Okay. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Does that sound like Intimacy to you? That sounds like you're you're alone with God. You're in the secret place. Amen. Some kind of a Taylor Swift song about that. That I I know places that they don't know about. There's somebody that knows Taylor Swift songs that knows that. But I mean, I've heard like a line or, or so of it. But it's it's like a like a romantic let's get away and, and hide away song that probably has some foul lyrics in it. I'm not really sure, but I just know like that that line or, or whatnot. But he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. See, it's not just talk because it's talking about somebody that's dwelling in the secret place with God under the shadow of the Almighty. And thereby, because they have that close intimacy with God, because the fire of their altar is continuously burning, they can go ahead and they can say that surely he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and the noisome pestilence. I don't know if you all know this or understand this, but let me just touch a little bit on some demonology type stuff. It's talking about the forces of darkness. It's not talking about people. It's not talking about the, the a literal snare of a of a fowler. It's not talking about just some kind of noisome pestilence. 
It's talking about the demonic. I want to be clear with you. If you look it up in the literal Hebrew and if you start breaking it down and looking at, at the whole Canaanite tongue and, and all this kind of things, you will see names of demons popping up in there. Okay, again, he shall cover thee with his feathers under his wings. Shall thou trust his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. For thou shalt not be afraid. Here we go with the demonic again. For the terror by night, it's talking about demons, or the arrow that flieth by day. You know, it's interesting because the gods of death in that region were archers. Uh, the arrow that, that flieth by day when it's talking about that. I believe that Mott's name is uh, in, in their MOT. It's a, it's a pagan god of death. Um, is is somewhere in that, but there's there's demon names in there. None, nonetheless, the terror by night and the arrow that flieth by day, snare of the fowler, noise and pestilence. All of those are references directly to the demonic trying to attack you. But if you dwell in the shadow of the Most High, uh, you know the secret place and all that, um, then uh, God's going to keep you and preserve you from that and do what the rest of this psalm goes ahead and says. Nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness. You know, I mean, if you didn't know that it was talking about a demon, somebody ought to just go and slap you. The pestilence that walks in darkness, does pestilence walk? It's talking about the demonic. I mean, it really, it really is. And when, you, when you're looking at it like not in English, but like in actual Hebrew, like it was written in, it's, it's even more clear. Um, you could actually, um, you can actually uh, study a lot of stuff like that. Up online and, and everything. You know, I like BibleHub.com. It's way more comprehensive than than all of that. But you can see what the Hebrew words are, and you can look them up, and you can do the, these searches and those searches. I'm talking to somebody out there that's like me that you don't just read the Bible, but that you study it. Uh, again, this this is on the demonic um, and God's protection from it. Dr. Michael Heiser, in fact, on Naked Audio um, or Naked Bible Podcast. He calls it that because I, he says I don't protect people from the Bible. You know, I don't try to dress it up as something else that it is. So he just, you know, strips it bare, and 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 this is what this is what the Word of God says. And I'm not going to try and protect you from it and not talk about, you know, the Nephilim and and all these sorts of things. Um, the pestilence that walketh by darkness, nor the destruction that wasteth away at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand. But it shall not come nigh unto thee. You know, this scripture, it keeps on going on, and it talks about this absolute dominance. We're reading about the young lion and the and the dragon, how you'll trample them both under your feet, about the lion and the adder, how you'll trample them under your feet, about how the pestilence that walks in darkness and the arrow that flies by day and the terror by night and the snare of the fowler and, 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 and all this demonic you know, stuff that's coming against you. This was actually a psalm that would get read in like exorcism, you know, rituals and everything there uh, back in the day. But about all this stuff, how you're protected by that, it's because you have a close, intimate walk with God because you keep the fires of the altar, altar burning. It's not just because you're, you know, Lord, save me and all that. And I'm not saying that he won't. Um, I'm just saying if you want to do what Elijah did, if you if you really want to see the, the operable power of God in you, you know, big sacrifices bring big results, people. Um, you know, the Bible, I talked a little bit, I think, about fasting and, and what happens, you know, when you fast. Well, that's between you and that's between God. 
Um, I'm just no stranger to it because I know what the Bible says and I understand it. And having a closer walk with him and crucifying my flesh means more to me than like eating a double bacon cheeseburger, even though if y'all knew how hardcore I am. I'm I'm eating like kosher now. I don't even eat pork now, and I'm not coming down on anybody for that because that just throws church people. They just have a full-on emotional breakdown because you know at the thought that they can't have a piece of bacon. Let, let me let me be real with you. I'm not even talking about feeling convicted of it or or whatever. You know, if you felt like that, that's what you needed to do to get closer to the Lord to give this thing up or that thing up or this thing up or that thing up or whatever it may be. I'm not saying if it's bacon or TV show or whatever. If you say I can't give whatever it is up, that's an idol in your life. There's there's something intrinsically wrong. If there's anything that you could name and say it's getting in between me and Jesus Christ, I don't care. Give it up for a day. Give it up for a week. Give it up for a year. Whatnot, you know. There's people that'll say, "I'd stop doing such and such if I wanted to do such and such," but I can't. St-. You know, that's that's called addiction, is is what that's called. And um, you know, you gotta you gotta own up to things, and you gotta admit, and you gotta get help when you really have a problem. Um, I uh, I work with with alcoholics and all all kinds of people. You know, I'm not talking Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm saying that I like have personal working relationships with these people that have stepped up and that they've got clean. And um, the first thing is admitting that you have a problem and that you need help. It's just like repentance in that sort of way. And, um, you know, it's a process to turn your life around. You don't just wake up and become this, you know, the Psalm 91 you know, kind of person and all that. You've got to keep the fire of that altar burning. And can I be real with you again, that that is easier to do. I'm kind of winding down on time here. I'll probably try and get done within the next 15 minutes. If if I don't, I'm cool. There's a church service Zoom thing that I'm going to be at, but otherwise it it doesn't matter if I show up late. Um, When we first get in a relationship with somebody, anybody, you know, your sweetheart that you're dating that you're now married to or, you know, whatever. It seems like easier, right? Because you've got this goal that you're trying to get them and you want to be in a relationship with them and all that. The problem with a lot of people is other things will get in the way. There will be all these distractions. And after you're like, yeah, we're married, we're settled down, we're happy, you know, I got you, babe you know, all that, um, that you let other things get in the way and it could feel to them like you're not keeping the fire burning and alive anymore, that you're not doing the same things when you declared your undying love for them and how you wanted to be with them forever in a day. And it can break a person's heart to feel rejected or neglected or taken for granted or whatever. And I don't like it and you don't like it and God doesn't like it. Um, We make time for things and we prioritize things that have value in our lives. And that's why we need to keep the fire burning at the altar for God. Not so we can do great and miraculous and marvelous things and be all supercharged as as a Christian, you, you know, um, but because of the genuine love that we had, the reason that God showed up for Moses, the reason that God showed up for what, 
the apostle John when they were trying to boil him in oil and he and he wouldn't be consumed. I know the other disciples were martyred, you know, but but the reason that God showed up, it's because of what they had that was together there. The reason that God showed up, Peter said. Peter and John said, silver and gold we have none, but what we have we give unto thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk to the man that was at the gate beautiful, that was begging for alms for the poor. And that he showed up was because of what they had with him. These Holy Ghost empowered, Holy Ghost filled. You, you find people that say, man, I'm I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not just going to have the gifts; you're going to have the fruit too. And I, and I did say that correctly. It's not fruits plural; it's fruit. Think of it like a pizza. If that if that helps you to piece that together in your mind, and you've got the supreme pizza, and it's got all these different flavor elements going on with it. You know, the love and the joy and the patience and the long suffering, meekness, kindness. You, you, you know, gentle, gentleness, temperance, all all this stuff. Um, Going on at, at the same time with it, you know, if you don't have the love of God operating in your life, then you're not filled with the Holy Ghost. There's something intrinsically spiritually wrong with you if you don't have that. If you have God in your life, you know what the Bible says about God? The Bible says that God is love. The thing that the Bible says most about God is that he's holy. And for us to be holy, we have to worship the Lord. Because we really do become more like what we worship, who we're chasing after, people that love a football team or a rock band or whatever. You see the influence that it has on their life. I'm not saying some big, ugly, grave thing or, or whatever, but the clothes that they wear reflect it. You know, the talk that they talk reflects it. Are you in love with the Lord Jesus Christ here today? Really, I mean, are you in love with the Lord Jesus Christ here today? And if you say yes, does anybody know it? I mean, you can't be a covert Christian, and maybe somebody's listening in a place where, you know, that's China or whatever, where they have a secret church, where there's really more real Christians in China than there are in the American church because, you know, your your life is on the line. But you know what I mean. There are people, brothers and sisters, that you have in the Lord, and they know that you're real. There's something that you just can't hide when you have that kind of a walk with the Lord, that somebody can see it, that somebody can feel it, that you're not like everybody else, but that they look at you and you are the Bible that they read, that they look at you and that they see Christ in you, operating in you, moving in you. It's because you've kept the fire of the altar burning. You know what happens when you're around somebody a lot, when you've got this really thick, close relationship with them? I mean, it happens a lot of times with a lot of people. You start adopting traits of theirs, you know that, you know, and your your spouse starts saying things that you say and doing things that you do, and I hope that they're good things. Um, but because they're around you, that they influence you. Let God influence your life. Let God influence your walk. Let God influence your talk. To keep the fire of the altar burning, what does it take? Well, I'll tell you. 
there was uh there was somebody I can't remember exactly who it was and they were talking about marriage and romance and I don't have to go through a lot of vivid talk to tell y'all what they mean when they talk about marriage and romance, but they said that it starts in at the breakfast table, that you see your wife come out there, men, and you say to them, you say, you know, boy, you know, you just look so good today. You you just kind of got this thing going on and all that. You're, you're starting up first thing in the morning. You're just you're just pouring it on thick and letting her know how special she is to you first thing in the morning, and you're making her feel good all day. You don't just go in there at night when it's time to lay down, and and you know and act like I want some romance going on. And then and then she says, well, if you wanted some romance going on, and I know that it's the other way around too, you know, um, but she could say if you want some romance going on then you wouldn't have been acting mean to me or ignoring me or hateful to me or whatever all day long. You know, and that and that goes vice versa. That that can go exactly both ways. You know, we shouldn't be taking God for granted. We need to keep the fire of the altar continuously burning. I'm so thankful that he shows up for us. You know, the things that God does for us say far more about his character than they say about our character. It's nothing that we could do. Don't let that keep you from doing it. It's nothing that we could do that would make us worthy, amen. But he is worthy and he is holy of all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. And we ought to just love him and praise him that much more because of that. I'm thankful that I get to praise the Lord. I'm thankful that I can go and that I can call on the creator of the universe and that he will hear me and that he loves me and that he saw me down at rock bottom in a ditch and that he saw you down at rock bottom in a ditch and that he uh, he gave all for you. Jesus hung and died for you like you were the only person on the face of this earth because he knew that you needed him that you couldn't do it yourself, and he called the whoever will come. Amen. And that means you, friend. Amen. I hope that this um, that this broadcast here on Reaching Out Radio has touched you. I hope that it's blessed you and that it will be a light in your life. Uh, this isn't me building up asking for an offering or anything. If there's anybody that you think that needs to hear this word, you all feel free to share it. I just want it to glorify God, all right? Don't let these words just fall to the ground. If you think, man, that was such a good word, and I'm so on fire for God and so passionate for God, I, I mean, you know, I could just jump up and do a dance right now. But you think there's somebody that I know that needs to hear this word, share it with them today. Reaching out radio, you can Google it easy enough. I am Pastor Benjamin Blankenship, and it's been a pleasure to be here. I will be with y'all Tomorrow on Montel Fields show at eight a I'm sorry eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time, seven p.m. Central Time. I guess y'all know the rest. You know it's two hours earlier in California and it's one hour earlier than Central and Mountain and what have you all around the world. I know in Brazil that it's two hours later than me, and I think it's ten hours later. Uh, some folks that I know out in Pakistan, but all those times, I'm the same time as New York, and it'll be 8 p.m. here when I'm on there for a maybe two-hour show. So we want you to get free. We're going to be talking 
about the spirit of rejection, a very real demonic thing. Tune in and share. We're going to be talking about the spirit of heaviness, a very real thing, both of which the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Ghost set me free from, and he can do the same for you. God bless you all, and have a good night. This is Reaching Out Radio with Pastor Benjamin Blankenship. Love you all. God bless. Bye-bye.